We're thankful that the VBS leaders have ordered up a wonderful luau, including the Hawaiian weather this morning. And, and so one of the board members said, it's a good day to take an offering for a new air conditioner. And I thought, uh, yeah, I think, I think you're right. We've been in a series entitled One for All and All for One. And we've been talking about the one another's of the scriptures. And in the New Testament, in your Bibles, the phrase one another, just that phrase one another, is used 58 times. And if, if all the one another commands are sort of uh, put together, categorized together, there are 12 significant actions that Christians are to live out to help build up the transforming body of Christ. And so this morning, I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians is in the New Testament, and it's about halfway into your New Testament. If you don't know where it's at, God put a table of contents right in the beginning of your Bibles, and so you can look it up there, and you can find Ephesians, and we're going to be in chapter 4 today. We'll start in verse 1. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but it's one of the sights in my life I don't think I'll ever forget at our nation's capital at Arlington National Cemetery. They meticulously prepare their uniform in their mind for duty. And when they're on duty, that soldier will not vary from his command a single step or for a single second. No matter the weather, no matter the hour of day, no matter the day of week, no matter the number of people watching, and no matter if no one's watching at all, this is the unflinching guard of the Sentinel, the member of the 3rd Infantry Regiment of the U.S. Army, the men and women who guard the tomb of the unknowns at Arlington National Cemetery. For every minute of every day since July 2nd, 1937, the old guard has kept watch. And when a Sentinel comes on duty, there are exactly 21 steps across the tomb, representing the 21-gun salute the highest honor given to a military or foreign dignitary. And when the guard turns, they face the tomb and they remain in position for 21 seconds. And the guard turns again and walks 21 steps across the tomb. And when the short journey is complete, the guard stops and turns towards the tomb and pauses 21 seconds. Over and over, the sentinel repeats the process. With an average age of 22, these young enlisted men and women with ranks ranging only from private first class to specialists prepare to take nine months of training to, pre- to prepare to guard the tomb. Part of the reason for their ramrod appearance would be the shoes that the soldiers wear. Though they are standard military issue boots, the heels and soles are built up, not for protection from the weather, but to aid in the walking and the turning and the distinctive clicking of the heels. Strict training ensures that the guard will be unflinching and unwavering on duty, no matter the heat of the summer, no matter the driving rain of December, no matter the frozen snows of February. And most importantly of all, the guard will remain posted, and the steps will will remain perfect, even when there's not another soul in sight. If you want to join the 3rd United States Infantry Regiment of the U.S. Army, you'll have to learn a new way to walk to walk in the same way as the rest of the human beings in Arlington National Cemetery is to give up the privilege of walking with the old guard. To miss a single step when it's your turn to guard the tomb is to miss the opportunity to stand 
with those who've stood before you. To misunderstand the motivation behind your duty is to miss the, entire, the point entirely. For this is the point. Inside the tomb of the unknowns at Arlington Cemetery are soldiers who gave their lives to set people free. And surrounding the tomb of the unknowns is a quarter of a million graves of others who gave their lives. This is a reminder that freedom isn't free. Instead, it came with a fierce and a terrible price. And for the U.S. Armed Forces, such sacrifice is worth a 24-hour guard seven days a week, 12 months out of the year. You just don't walk the same way when it's your turn to walk with the guard. And neither should we, those who carry the guard for the name of Christ. To put it simply, you will walk differently when you follow Christ. And it doesn't matter if a crowd is watching, and, and it, or it doesn't matter if no one's watching. It doesn't matter if the watch is pleasant, if your life is great, or if your life is difficult. It doesn't matter the circumstances in your life, and it doesn't matter anything about the physical or the emotional or the spiritual strain or the stress that you're going through. When you walk as a follower of Jesus Christ, you walk differently than those who choose not to follow Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There was one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. The message in the book of Ephesians is incredibly relevant, despite the fact that it was written over 2,000 years ago. The city, Ephesus, was a huge city, and it was a transportation hub. And the culture of Ephesus had several similarities to our culture today in our world. Though their technology was different, their weaknesses and vulnerabilities were much the same. They were materialistic to the point of overkill, and their sexual practices left nothing to the imagination. Nothing seemed to shame them. And yet, right in the midst of a very difficult environment in Ephesus, a church was planted. And the Apostle Paul, the writer of this letter, led this small group of Christians, and it became obvious that people were hungry for something more, something different and meaningful, something authentic. And they wanted something more than money could buy, and they wanted more than their lustful imaginations could create. They considered the life of Jesus, and it changed their walk, and their numbers began to grow. And so many people in Ephesus, so many people came to Christ that, that Ephesus began to change. The whole city began to change. Their economic core was threatened, and the change was so dramatic in that town that a riot involving over 25,000 people broke out. And you can read about that in another book in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 18 and 19. And eventually, the Apostle Paul had to rush out of Ephesus just to save his life. But he wrote this church, a simple instruction, what we're reading today, the simple words of instruction and encouragement, and he called, it, called them to a new way of living, or as the guards of the tomb of the unknown 
might say it's just a new way of walking. The words walk or, or walking in the letter to the church at Ephesus it's a, it's a metaphor, it's a word picture that refers to daily conduct. It refers to a way of life and how you should live. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, what we just read, Paul urges Christians to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. And this does not mean that we should try to deserve our place or work to get God's favor. It means that we affirm God's calling in our life. And the focus is not on our worth, but it's on the worth of our calling. And so we go back to chapters in Ephesians, chapters 1 through 3, and we just kind of catch a glimpse of what that calling is about. In chapter 1, verse 4, God, Paul writes that God chose him, chose us to, for himself before even the world was created. And in verse 5 in chapter 1, uh, Paul writes that God adopted us to be in his family. And in verse 7 in chapter 1, because of God's great love for us that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that he would go to a cross and die the death that we were to die. And so that our sins would be, be forgiven. And in verse 13 of that same chapter, God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's part of our calling. And in chapter 2, verse 7, God promises to spend an eternity bringing joy in our life. And in chapter 3, verse 10, Paul writes that God's given the church just like Nova Community Church here, a mission to reach those who don't know him. But what I really want to focus in on is, is how this church walks together. One thing that's unmistakable in, is that in this letter in, in, uh, that Paul writes to the Ephesian church, is he writes about unity and he writes about togetherness. And Paul wanted the church to bear with one another. And we're going to talk about what that means. But as this church walks together, the first point we can make here is the way we walk has nothing to do with our eternity. The way we walk or conduct our lives, in a sense, has nothing to do with our eternity. In, in verse 1 in chapter 4, Paul writes, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. The Apostle Paul reminds us that we have an eternity in heaven because of God's grace and his unmerited favor for us. So you can't avoid enough sins you can't pray enough prayers. You can't read enough Bible. You can't do enough good deeds. You can't give enough money to get into heaven. Let me put it another way. You just can't walk in a way that honors God and hope that just by walking, you can just walk your way right into heaven. You can't do that. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes about this. He says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Let me just stop there and read that again, because I really want you to get this. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us new in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. At, at Vacation Bible School this week, your children learn this. Your, your children learn that salvation is a gift from God. And if it's a gift, I, I think there's, there, there's three very interesting things or, or very obvious things, really. If it's a gift from God, the first thing is it's so common. There's someone's birthday here today, and I'm sure gifts will be given to this person today. And you receive gifts and you give gifts. It's just a, a common practice. It's a gift from God, but it's common. The second thing is, is that it's free. When someone gives you a gift, no one says, well, how much do I owe you for that, right? No one does that. If someone gives you a gift, you don't say, uh, uh, 
what do I do to, what did I do to earn this gift? Because you can't. It's a gift. And it's wonderful. It's common, it's, it's free, and it's wonderful. It's why we sing. It's why we smile. It's why we have a luau after worship on a Sunday. It's a gift from God. Because the way we walk has nothing to do with our eternity. The second point we can make here is this. The way we walk is more than what we do. The way we walk, the way we live our life is, is a lot more than, than what we do. As Paul urges us to walk in this manner worthy of our calling, he describes what this walk looks like. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 4, once again, 1 through 3. Paul writes, I urge you to walk with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I, I, I think what we see here is not a list of a bunch of things that we need to do. It's a description of the life of a Christ follower, what it looks like. It's a picture of a healthy church. It's a picture of not just a healthy church, it's a picture of a healthy marriage. It's a picture of a healthy friendship. It's a picture of a healthy family. And when you walk with God in your life, it involves a life that's highly relational and highly unified. You can't help but to notice when Paul writes this, his emphasis on interpersonal relationships that binds these people together. And so if you look at this list, we'll just take a look at it real quick. The first is, he says, if you're walking this way, you're going to have humility. You know that when Jesus was born, when Jesus was born, he introduced a new concept into the human race, humility. The ancient Romans and Greeks, they didn't even have a word for humility because they thought it it was nothing, nothing to aspire to. But humility means that we don't trust in ourselves, but we trust in God. But it also means that we don't think less of ourselves. We know that we've been given gifts and talents and purposes in our life to use for God's glory and God's purpose. That's what humility is about. The second thing Paul writes about is gentleness. A lot of Bibles are translate this word gentleness into meekness. And when we think of meekness, meekness in our world today, we think of weakness. The word in the original language here is translated into a phrase. So this one word, gentleness, is translated into the phrase strength under control. And it's best described of a person whose temper is under control and has no reason to retaliate or or take revenge. Secular writers, when they use this word gentleness, they were describing a, a powerful animal like a horse that has been trained for riding or for, or for work. And so we have humility and gentleness. And the third word that would describe this walk is patience. The word literally means long-tempered, which is opposite of a short fuse. It's easy to see. And then the, the fourth area, it's humility and gentleness and patience. And then bearing with one another in love. Some Bibles translate this word tolerance. But unfortunately in our world today, tolerance has come to mean throwing out all absolute moral standards and not judging anyone for anything. And clearly in the Bible, when we read it, God has absolute standards. So bearing with one another, I think a better word would be forbearance, but we don't really use that word a lot. What it really means is is to accept one another's shortcomings and quirks. So here we are, just a a group of a few hundred people here, and there's a room full of quirks here, I'm sure, right? And bearing with one another is being able to accept people's quirks in their life, in the non-moral areas of life. 
Walking this way has immediate effects on others around you. It's encouraging and it's contagious. And what we see on a daily basis is this sort of walk that's described. We see this out of people at Nova Community Church. It's not a perfect church, but we see pictures of perfection, of the perfect one as we go through life. But it's really how God used over 50 volunteers in months of planning to serve 111 kids and families for one week of Nova's Sun Treasure Island Vacation Bible School. But it's not about how we did it. It's not about it's not about what we do. It's about how we walk together with Jesus. So the first point is this. The way we walk has nothing to do with our eternity. The second is the way we walk is more than what we should do. And the third is this. third point is real simple. It's who will you walk with? Because it's your choice. Over the last 22 years, I've, I've had the privilege and the, really the honor of working as a volunteer with the Torrance Police Department as their lead chaplain. And one of the greatest joys I have and one of the the funnest times I have is when I get to talk with officers who are just out of police academy. They just get out of academy. And so sometimes I get to talk with them in an orientation meeting and their spouses are there. And, And one of the things I love to share with them is one of my life verses in Amos chapter 3, verse 3. The verse... In chapter 3, verse 3 says, Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? It's a, it's a great question. It's a great verse. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? And so I talked to these new officers, just wet behind the ears and wide-eyed and ready to get at it, really. I talked to them about how relationships in law enforcement are so important. The relationship with their working partner. But more than that, the relationship with what's going on at home in their marriages. I don't know about if you know this, but in law enforcement, the rate of divorce is sky high. Nationwide, it's about 50%. And in law enforcement, if the officer's the husband, he's married, the divorce rate is somewhere in the 70 percentile. If it's a woman officer and she's married, that divorce rate is up in the high 80 percentile. And so I talk to them and I say, this is so important that you agree to walk together, not just with your law enforcement partner, but in your marriage. It's so important that you are an excellent father, an excellent mother, because you need to not just watch each other's back while you're working, you need to do that at home. You need to understand one another. You need to lift one another up. You need to lay your life down for one another. You need to protect one another. You need to be loyal, and you need to be faithful to one another. And I tell them their job is one of the hardest jobs on the face of this earth because they're so vulnerable. Their very lives are vulnerable. Their physical bodies are vulnerable. Their marriages are vulnerable. Their families and their emotions are so vulnerable. And what they need is they need something outside of their career, outside of this turbulent world of law enforcement. They need someone, something outside of their life that's going to be that steady rock that's going to help them. And if you agree to walk with someone, you need to walk with God because God is the one who's going to hold you together. So it is with us. 
It's your choice today. Not just for the law enforcement officer, but for the regular citizen, a person of the South Bay. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? I'm here to tell you that Jesus wants to walk with you. And my hope is today that you'll agree to walk with him. I'd like you to stand. We're going to close in prayer. And we're going to dismiss out to the plaza. The sun is not out, but maybe that's a good thing today, huh? We're going to enjoy a, a, a great time getting to know one another. There's a lot of new people, new faces, and I'm sure across the room you recognize a neighbor down the street or someone from your kid's school or, or something, um, someone in this room. If you have a child that's part of VBS and they were dismissed after the, after the singing, they're gonna, you're going to pick them up um, right where you dropped them off, right over the side over here, before you get your food. Go and, go and pick up your kids. There's a buffet line right down the middle. There's drinks. There's snow cones over to this side, to the north side. There's some hot dogs that we're barbecuing over over here. We're going to have a great time. Just enjoy the company of the people of Nova Community Church in the community here. But before we uh, dismiss you, let, let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for your love for us. God, thanks for your word this morning. It's... it's um, It's simple and clear. God, thank you that you gave us a gift of your son, Jesus Christ. And and thank you that that gift, of course, it's it's free. It's it's common. It's for everyone, but that gift is free. And God, thank you that that it's a gift that each each and every one of us can receive. Do two walk together unless they've agreed to do so? And Father, I ask that today would be a day that many, many, many would say, I want to walk with God today. And if that's you, that's just right in your heart as we're praying, as I'm praying right now, and your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, just in your heart, God hears you. And maybe just in your heart you want to say, God, I, 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 I want to walk with you. It's It's time. I've come to this place. I want to walk with you. I believe in Jesus Christ, the one and only Son of God, who went to the cross and died in my place, that I can have free forgiveness, the gift of God. Thanks again for this whole day, a beautiful day of laughter and of kids and meeting new friends. Thank you, God, that you always provide food for us and And so we want to give you thanks for the food we're about to eat. And we give you all the glory. You deserve all the credit for all these great things that are happening all around us. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you on the plaza.